Good morning. How y'all doing today? Hey, was that song right there not awesome? That, um, that was, um, <clears throat> I probably should say this, this at the end of the message, but I'm just going to jump into preaching about something that's not even what I got on my, my notes right now. But I was thinking uh, football season's about to start, and um, if, if you go to uh, Death Valley and, and when, when the Clemson Tigers run down the hill, you get chills because you're so excited. Or if you go to Williams-Brice Stadium and when they crank up 2001, you get chills because you're so excited and you can sit through a song like that and not feel anything, you need to figure out what's going on in your life priority-wise. Now that I just kicked you in the gut to start off, let me do an announcement real quick. But that just, that just came to my mind because I was sitting there, I was so excited and I was thinking to myself, I want to be that excited about Jesus all the time and not as excited about some other stuff that, you know, it's pretty good stuff, but it really isn't going to. When you get to heaven, they're not going to ask you, hey, are you a Clemson fan or a Carolina fan? Oh, you go to this certain section. Thank God that that's going to be gone when we get up there, right? <clears throat> all right. Hey, um, let me tell you about something uh, going on. Um, we're, we're starting a new series today. You see that? Hello, my name is, and I'll be talking about that in just a second. But before that... Um, we're doing life groups, and uh, those are beginning in September. Life groups are our small group Bible studies. We do them in people's homes all around the community here. Uh, we don't do anything on Sunday morning. Um, it's, uh, we, we want that, that to be focused on coming here today and worshiping and serving and helping our kids worship and learn and that kind of thing. So we do our Bible studies, our small group Bible studies, throughout the week and uh, different places, different times, and different leaders. You can sign up now, uh, if, if, right now, really, if you want to, if you have a smartphone. If you've got one of these things right here, that little blobby-looking thing right there, that's a, that's a QR code, and people that know about that kind of stuff know how that works, and you just scan that with your phone, your iPhone, or your other smartphone, and, uh, and you can register right there on your phone. Or you can wait till after the service, walk out there, and you can sign up on one of those uh, sheets. If you're old-timey, you can do it that way, or... If you uh, if you got a computer at home, you can sign up online like that. But here's the thing. However you sign up is not that important to me. What's important is that you understand that, that that's an opportunity that you have to, first of all, learn the Scripture. We're going to be studying the book of James. And so your curriculum will be your Bible. You won't have to go by, if you already own a Bible, you won't have to order another book by Andy Stanley or Craig Groeschel or some of those other people that write good books. You just were going to use the book that was written by God, and we're going to study that together uh, through this whole fall semester of life groups. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I want you to understand about that is it's an opportunity for you to get to know folks in this community of believers. It's an opportunity for you to make new friends, to uh, get to go to somebody else's house and see how they live, and you'll be like, oh, cool, we're not that messed up, because look at their house. And so... Uh, it's just a great opportunity for you to make connections with people. And uh, if, if you've been involved in a life group before and you made a new friend because you were involved in a life group, I want you to raise your hand really high so everybody can see it. My hand is raised. You see that right there? So if you've never been in a life group and you come here every week and you're like, man, I don't know anybody at Freedom. We just don't know anybody. We don't know how to get connected. I'm telling you, that's the way to do it. You're gonna, you're gonna, you'll meet some of the people that are up here on this stage playing every week. They're involved in life groups. You'll meet some of the people you see greeting out there every week. 
they're involved in life groups, and so it's just a great opportunity for you to get involved and, and, uh, and get to know some, some new folks. All right, that being done, and uh, let's move on to what we're here to talk about today. If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to the book of Philippians. That's in the New Testament. The New Testament is the second part of the Bible. Turn to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1 uh, all day today. And um, so I'll, I'll use some other scriptures too, but stay in Philippians chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry, it's going to be on the screen. And so let me start off by reading this verse, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. And, uh, and then I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump into what we're going to talk about. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Let's pray together. Father God, I, I ask that any words that I say today will be words that you want me to speak, Lord, that you will not allow me to say anything that is not of you. And Father, I pray that each one of us would be motivated to grow closer to you, that we would allow you to work in our lives, and that you would do what only you can do, which is change our hearts, change our attitudes, change our minds, and ultimately change our lives so that we can help change the lives of others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians 1.21. If you've hung around church at all, you've probably heard this verse. Pretty famous verse as far as Scripture goes, as far as the New Testament goes. It's pretty famous. And, and we, if you know who wrote this book, if you know who wrote the book of Philippians, and you know what the circumstances were behind the writing of this book, it even becomes even more powerful when you know that. This, this book was written by a guy named Paul, and, and Paul wrote this while he was in prison. And, and Paul wasn't in prison for, for, you know, like cooking some crystal meth or because he, he got in a fight with his girlfriend in a public place or things that people get arrested for today. Paul was in prison because he was preaching the gospel. He was in prison for doing exactly what I'm doing here today. He was in prison for doing exactly what Blake did up here last week. Last week. He was in prison for doing what Donnie does up here uh, oftentimes. He was in prison for just opening up the scripture and beginning to tell people about who Jesus was and what he could do for them. And because of that, because of the, the time period he lived in and the culture that was going on there, they threw him in prison for that. And so while he was in prison... Paul could have used that time to, to feel sorry for himself and to think that his, his ministry was over. But what he did while he was in there, he was constantly writing letters. He was writing letters to the churches that he had started before. He was writing letters to friends. And this is one of those letters, the book of Philippians, is a letter that Paul wrote while he was in prison. So when you understand the fact that, that Paul was in prison and, and knowing that he very well could be executed for preaching the gospel. When we read a verse that says, to live is Christ and to die is gain, our minds immediately focus on the last half of that verse, the to die is gain part, especially when you know the context of it. And, and I think if you're a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, your focus tends to, to land on that anyway. I know mine does oftentimes because of this. We, as Christians, we bank on the fact that one day we're going to go to heaven. And we bank on the fact that heaven is going to be a whole heck of a lot better than what we're experiencing right now on earth. 
And so when we read that verse and we say, oh, to live is Christ and to die is gain, man, that die is gain, that is so true. I cannot wait one day to see Jesus. It is going to be so awesome. I'm not going to have to worry about the fact that I'm behind on my car payment. I'm not going to have to worry about the fact that I got this kid that mouths off at me all the time and I, you know, beat the tar out of their rear end and it doesn't work. I won't have to worry about the fact that Cliff comes up here and fusses at me for being a football fan and not a Jesus fan and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, so you, it's, it, you just think about one day I'm going to go to heaven and everything's going to be, all my troubles are going to be gone and we, and we focus on that. But I want us to focus today on the part of that verse that says, for to me, to live is Christ. We're starting a new series of messages today about, hello, my name is Freedom. And, and what, we're, what we're doing for the next three weeks, today and next week, and then actually we're going to take a break Labor Day weekend and do Lord's Supper, and then it'll be the week after that. For, so that for the next three weeks that, that we do a regular message, we're going to be talking about three things that we want to focus on as a church that will help us fulfill our mission. Our mission is helping people discover the true freedom that only Christ can give. And for us to be able to do that as followers of Jesus, there's three things that I think we need to be focusing on as a church, three things that we need to be, be doing in our personal lives. And the first one that we're going to talk about today is to grow toward Christ. To grow toward Christ. And we're going we're gonna to spend some time talking about that. And so that's the first part of that verse when he says, for me to live is Christ. That's what we're going to talk about today. What does it mean to live is Christ, to, to grow toward Christ? Because here's, here's what I think. I think that when, when we think about people who have died for their faith, we, we get excited about that. We celebrate that, and we should celebrate that. I don't know if you know this or not, but did you know that all of Jesus' disciples, except for John, history tells us that they were all executed. And they weren't executed like, you know, a, a lethal injection, which is still bad news, but it, it's not that terrible. They were things like boiled in oil, and they were cru some of them were crucified like Jesus was, uh, you know, impaled, and I mean, just all kind of bad stuff. And so, and, and, and even Paul himself, who wrote the book of Philippians, history tells us that he was eventually executed for being a follower of Jesus. And when we hear about that stuff, I, you know, at me as a follower of Christ, I kind of get excited and I think, man, that, that's awesome that those guys, they never rejected Jesus even to the very end. But I want to tell you that, that I believe that sometimes I think living for Christ is, is even harder than dying for Christ. If you die for your faith, if you die for Christ, it's relatively quick. Even if they torture you like they did William Wallace at the end of Braveheart. I mean, you know, that thing lasts a long time and you're watching like, oh my gosh, can't believe what they're doing to him. It, but even if that happens, that's a relatively quick thing when you compare it to, let's say they torture you for eight hours. That's bad news. But what if, what if you have to live for Christ for 80 years? Living for Christ is oftentimes, and I think most of the time, more difficult than dying for Christ. Because it is day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. And so when we begin to, to focus on the, the, the part to, to die as gain, I think we miss out sometimes on what, what Jesus is wanting us to know, that, that, that we need to live for Him. And here's the other thing. We all live in America. And no matter how worried you are about this election coming up, and by the way, if you're worried about this election, just start praying every day 
and God will let you know that he's in control and it's going to be okay. No matter who gets elected. We could have, uh, who was that dude that ran a few years ago that didn't have a chance to win? And uh, Mark Johnson, I think you actually voted for him one time. Who was it? Ralph Nader. We could even have Ralph Nader. I just outed Mark Johnson as voting for Ralph Nader one time, but I think he did. We could even have Ralph Nader as president. And you know what? We're going to be fine because God's in control, all right? So that's, just, that's, that's bonus coverage right there. But let me get back to what I was talking about. We live in America, and, and no matter what happens you know, in this next election, chances are very, very slim that any of you are ever going to have to die for your faith. We, we're, we're in here right now, and I have absolutely no fear that in just a few minutes, FBI agents are going to bust through these doors and arrest me for what I'm doing because we live in a country where we have religious freedom. But even though we won't have to die for our faith, every single one of us needs to live out our faith day after day. So we're going to talk today about living in Christ. We're going to talk about growing towards Christ. And because because really living in Christ, that's what it is. It's growing. If you're not growing, you're not alive. And so we're going to talk about what it means to, to grow towards Christ. See, see all the, the idea of followers of Jesus growing growing in their faith is scattered throughout the new testament you find it all over there look at look at on the screen at second thessalonians 1 3 i'm just going to read you a couple of verses second thessalonians 1 3 says we ought always to thank god for you brothers and rightly so because your faith is growing more and more first peter 2 2 and 3 like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may say it with me grow up say it again grow up in your salvation. And then if you look at, go back to Philippians, you can look on the screen or in your, your Bibles there. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There's nothing about any of those verses, especially Philippians 1.6, that would indicate to you that, that Jesus expects us to get saved, to, to have our sins forgiven, to experience baptism like we're going to do next week, and then nothing else happen. Now what's supposed to happen is, is that you give your life to Jesus, He transforms you, He saves you, and then that begins the first day of a long journey where day after day you are growing and you're becoming more like Jesus, you're beginning to think like Him, you're beginning to act like Him, you're beginning to talk like Him, and old things are passing away slowly, and every day new things, new realities of the faith, new realities of who God is are becoming real in your life, and you're beginning to live that out. That's what growing toward Christ is about. But here's what you need to understand. Growing toward Christ doesn't happen naturally. Growing toward Christ doesn't happen naturally. In fact, the opposite is true. What's natural to us is to drift away from Christ. If, if, we, don't, if we don't focus and, and if we don't put any kind of effort and we just think well i'm just gonna tomorrow i'll just be more like jesus than i am today i don't even have to think or do anything or go to church or read the scripture or change anything in my life or allow god to change it. i just i'm just gonna wake up and i'm gonna be more like jesus and what's gonna happen is you're gonna live like that and then you're gonna be farther and farther away because what's natural to us is to grow away from christ to drift away 
because we have a sin nature that still lives inside of us. Even though Jesus has, has forgiven you, even, even though you've given your life to him, you've been forgiven of that sin, that sin nature, we're still going to have to struggle with it until the day we die. There's a, I know Blake is, one of the things Blake is going to be focusing on with our teenagers over the next several months is, is the, the process of growing toward Christ, what we're, what we're talking about. And, and the big fancy word that the Bible uses for it is sanctification. Say that three times and just next week at work and just impress people. They'll be like, dude, I don't know who you are, but you must be really smart because you said sanctification, right? Because when you get saved, the, the word that, that's in the scripture for that is justification, where now you were guilty in sin and now you've been justified because you gave your, I just kind of sounded like an old time preacher right there, they're justified. You've been justified, all right? Because you gave your life to Jesus and he did your work and you've been justified. And then the next step after being justified is, is a daily process of being sanctified. And sanctification lasts from the moment you give your life to Christ until the day you die. So for some of you, you have been in the process of being sanctified for many, many years. And you still have many years ahead of you. Until the day you die... Philippians 1.6 says, until God, he will do that work in you until the day of Christ Jesus, until the day you die when you are what? Glorified. And so it goes from being guilty of sin and you have to be accept Jesus and, and allow him to work in your life and to forgive you of sin, now you're justified. And then it's the daily process of growing, which is being sanctified until one day when you are going to be face to face with Jesus and all the struggle is going to be gone. And the scripture says you will be like him because you will see him as he is. And at that moment, you will be glorified. And so what we're in the middle of, we're in the middle of that sanctification process. And sanctification doesn't happen naturally. Growing toward Christ doesn't happen naturally. Look at, I'm going to read uh, Philippians 1, 19 through 25. And that's the, the context that Philippians 1, 21 is in. And uh, just so that you can see some of what Paul was talking about there. Starting with verse 19, it says this. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. What has happened to Paul? He's been arrested. He's been thrown in jail. And what does he mean there when he says, will turn out for my deliverance? He's saying one of two things is going to happen. I'm either going to be released, so I'll be delivered, or I'm going to be executed, and I'll be with Jesus, so I'll be delivered. He understood that whether he came out of that prison or not, he was going to be delivered. It's the same reason why you might know someone who's a follower of Christ, and they get a terminal uh, um, diagnosis of some kind of disease and they go into the hospital and, and they go in and they still have a peace about them because they understand whether I come home from the hospital to sleep in my bed again, I'm going to be delivered or if I don't leave this hospital walking out, if I leave flying out to, to go see Jesus one day, I'm going to be delivered as well. That's the reason those people have a peace. And it's the same thing Paul's saying here. Either way, I'm good. Whether I get released early or whether I get executed, I'm going to be delivered. Then verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And right there, he's just praying and saying, I'm going to be whipped while I'm in here. I'm going to be questioned. I'm probably going to be beaten. And I am praying that I will not be ashamed by how I act during that time, but I will stay firm, stay true to Jesus Christ. 
And then the verse we just read, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. Now listen to this. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. So Paul's saying right there, if it was up to me, I'd be executed. I'd go be with Jesus. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. See, Paul was having to deal with a choice. His choice was either he was going to be executed and he was going to be excited about that or he was going to live on and he was going to have to be excited about that. And Paul was saying, I'd rather just be executed. I'd rather just go be with Jesus. But he says at the end, but I know that that's not going to happen. And the benefit will be for you, not necessarily for me. And see, that gets us to the first reason why growing toward Christ doesn't happen naturally. And it's because growing toward Christ requires sacrifice. Growing toward Christ requires sacrifice. Paul was making a sacrifice. He was giving up what he desired. And, and I'm going to tell you something, that if we are going to become more like Christ, we're going to grow toward him every day, be closer to him today than we were yesterday. It's going to require that we give up some of the things that we desire. Paul's desire was to be with Jesus. You say, well, that's not a bad desire. No, it wasn't, but the timing of it was all wrong. He wanted to be with Jesus right then. And, and God was telling him, that's not the path I have for you. That's not the path of growth that you need to go down. There might be desires that you have that, that maybe aren't bad desires. Things that, that you want to do, things that you want to accomplish. And maybe Jesus is saying to you, you're going to have to put that on the back burner. You're going to have to not do that because that's not the path of growth that I have for you. And see, sacrifices is difficult for us because it goes against something that a lot of us live our lives by, and that is our feelings. I don't know if you've ever used this term or if you've ever heard this term used, but I think one of the scariest things that we can say is if we say, you know what, I'm going to just do this because it feels right. It just feels right. I've sat and talked to people who made terrible life mistakes and have paid for it for years and years, and they would tell me, but you know, when I was making that decision, it just felt right at the time. Even though it was against what Scripture taught, even though it was against what all their wise friends around them were telling them, it just felt right to them. And we can't trust what we feel but for the same reason why we tend to drift away from Christ because our sin nature that lives in us will lead us astray if we allow it to. And so when we talk about sacrificing, that we have to sacrifice to grow towards Christ, it's hard for us because it goes against what we feel. And we think, well, th I just want this. I want this so bad, whatever it might be. But it might not be what Jesus has for you. And it really shouldn't be that surprising to us that, that growing towards Christ requires sacrifice because all growth in life requires sacrifice. Just 
the last couple weeks, I stayed up too late every night watching the Olympics. And I know some of y'all are like, Cliff, you didn't have to do that. It was like five-hour delayed. You could have checked. But I would like stay away from news reports so I could be surprised at 11.30 at night trying to hold my eyes open with toothpicks to see who won something. And one of the things that, that I loved about this Olympics, that I loved about the Olympics four years before, was Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps was unbelievable. Now, do you think that Michael Phelps, even though he's got this weird-looking body, have you seen him where he does that thing where he, like, flaps his arms and, like, they go around and touch both sides of his head because his arms are so long, you know? Even though he's, God's designed him to be a swimmer, obviously, he looks like that. But do you think that he just woke up one day and could swim faster than anybody in the world? Do you think that, that he just went to bed one night and said, you know, I think when I get up in the morning, I will be the greatest swimmer of all time? No, it took sacrifice. In fact, it took years and years of sacrifice. It took thousands of hours in the pool. It took a restricted diet. It took making sure he got plenty of sleep. All that kind of stuff that most of us don't want to do, that's what it took for him to become the, the Olympic star with the most medals of anybody in history because of sacrifice. You know that in your own life. If you've ever if you've ever learned a new skill or you've ever started a business or done anything like that, what did it take? It took sacrifice. You don't, you don't just start a business and then the next day you're just like rolling into money. It's like, that was the easiest thing I ever did. No, what do you do? You go without a salary for a while. You pump all the money back into the business. You do all that kind of stuff. You do the hard work, the late nights. What does it take? Sacrifice. Any kind of growth that we have to deal with, that we want to accomplish, it takes sacrifice but what happens i think sometimes is when we think about our spiritual lives we think hey i accepted jesus so i'm good i'm just gonna be like mother Teresa tomorrow they're gonna be calling me billy graham because i accepted jesus i'm the new apostle paul even though i've not done any kind of study not done any kind of anything to help you know help me learn about who jesus is well, Philippians 1, 6 says that, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And you're like, yeah, see Cliff right there. It says Jesus is going to do it. I don't have to do anything. Yeah, he's going to be the one that makes it happen. But we have to decide that we're not going to stand in the way of that. We have to put ourselves in a position to grow. Now, is God big enough to make us grow without, us, without our help? Absolutely. God can do whatever he wants to do. If he wanted to, he could make me the next Billy Graham just by saying, okay, Cliff, it's you, bow. You know, you're the next Billy Graham. But God doesn't work that way in any kind of evidence that I've ever seen. When you read scripture, when you talk to people, it's a, it's a situation where God takes our willingness to be used and then he takes his power to change lives and he combines those two things together and we begin to grow. And it happens slowly, it happens over time, it requires sacrifice, and it doesn't happen naturally. And one of the reasons why we don't do well at sacrifice is because sacrifice makes us uncomfortable. And I don't know if you know this or not, but comfort is an enemy of growth. Comfort is an enemy of growth. I love to be comfortable. In fact, in a couple weeks, NFL football is starting back, and I'll get done preaching here, and I'll go home, and you can ask my wife, my daughters. I'm going to get in my chair 
And it's going to be my goal to stay there till like midnight, not move. I'm thinking about buying like some adult undergarments, you know, so I don't even have to get up at all. I'm just kidding about that. But I, I will, I, I'll just, because my chair is comfortable, I'm doing what I like, I'm watching football, and I'm getting all the highlights and everything, it's awesome. And I accomplish nothing that day. I don't grow as a human being. I don't grow as a Christian. I just veg out. And that's a silly example, but I think sometimes we live our lives like that. I think especially we live our lives like that spiritually. We have a relationship with Jesus. We get comfortable in a church. Maybe you've been coming here for a while. You've learned how to sneak in and how to sneak out so that you don't really have to talk to anybody. Or you've learned who you can talk to, that they're just going to slap you on the back and not challenge you on anything. And we just get comfortable. And we hang out here. And we never grow. See, when you get comfortable... You might even know that, that you're not where you're supposed to be, but when you start thinking about, well, what is it going to take to get to where I'm supposed to be? What is it going to take to become the person I'm supposed to be? You think, man, that, that sounds like that's going to be hard. And if that's going to be difficult, then that means I'm not going to be comfortable. And I really like being comfortable, so I'm just going to be fine with where I am. What if when Michael Phelps was 12 years old, he'd have said, you know what, I'm cool just winning these local swim meets. I'm glad that I'm the best swimmer in Baltimore, and that's, that's all I want to be. I'm cool with that. What would have happened? Well, he would have missed out on the Olympics, but you know what else would have happened? We would have missed out too. I would have missed out of being able to see him do what he does and be amazed by that and be excited for that. And that's what Paul was talking about here in, in the Scripture when he says, he says, you know, he talks about, he says, listen, I would rather die. I'd rather go ahead and be executed. But then he says in verse 25, but convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. When we get comfortable as, as a follower of Christ and we refuse to grow, we refuse to allow Jesus to do the work he wants to do in our lives, we miss out, but not only do we miss out, people around us miss out. This church suffers, our community suffer, suffers, and anyone around you who is not a believer suffers. Because when we refuse to grow, we don't have the impact that God wants us to have. And so Paul said, I'm going to sacrifice what I want for the good of other people. Now, on top of that, he got to grow like crazy and he got to be really close to Jesus. In fact, he was so close to Jesus that he would write out the words in these letters were the actual words of God that God was wanting him to communicate to churches. That's really close to Christ. And so we, if we will sacrifice the things that we think are most important, that we think we can't live without, and we'll pray and we'll ask God, show me what I'm supposed to sacrifice, and he'll show us that, then we will be able to have the impact, the type of impact that Paul had. And there's one more reason I think that we don't grow toward Christ like we're supposed to. And it's in Philippians 1.6 again. It says, He who began a good work. I think another reason why we don't grow toward Christ is we see the beginning as the finish line. We see the beginning as the finish line. Philippians 1.6 said, He who began 
a good work, will carry it on to completion. There's a beginning, there's a process, and there's an ending. But we, as followers of Christ, we get caught up into the beginning. We get caught up in the beginning of, hey, I got saved a long time ago. And then we look forward to the ending. How many of y'all like Southern gospel? Anybody like Southern gospel music? Don't be ashamed. I'm just going to make fun of you a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. I, was listen, I listen every Sunday morning on my way to uh, here, to WNCW, and they play Southern gospel bluegrass every Sunday morning. That gets me ready for worship. It's awesome. And here's what I've noticed about Southern gospel, whether it's Southern gospel bluegrass or regular Southern gospel like Gold City or whoever it is that you like. Is Gold City still even performing? I don't know. Yeah, those Southern Gospel groups, man, they go on. Dudes will be like 112 up there. and If you'll pay to come see them, they'll, they'll come out there on a walker and try to sing. But, uh, but whether it's regular Southern Gospel or bluegrass Southern Gospel, whatever, here's the thing about Southern Gospel music. About 90% of the songs either focus on the day you got saved or that one day you're going to go to heaven. Or maybe that one day Jesus is going to come back, which is the same kind of thing as going to heaven. That's what 90% of them focus on. It's either, you know, when God dipped his love in my heart or Beulah Land. It's, you know, that's, it's one of those two ends. And, and, that's, and, and, you know, we think that's funny and all, but that, we tend to, sometimes as Christians, we tend to live like that. We look back and we hold on to, you know, man, I got saved at Bible school at age 10. Well, we had a youth revival at my church and I was 17 and I walked down the aisle and I got saved. Man, I know it was real. And then I got baptized the next week. Or I was 25 years old and had just graduated from college and had my first job and a guy at my office shared Jesus with me and I got saved. What's happened to you since then? Well, nothing. Because we focus on the beginning and think that that's all it took. We're finished now. Got saved, done. Like check it off, you know. Hey, Siri, uh, I want to not die and go to hell. Check. You know, and you check that off your, your list of things to do. That's what we think. And it would be like, it'd be like if, if, if I signed up to, to run a marathon, which that would be funny in, in itself, and I signed up to run a marathon, and I go and I show up and I pay the money, they give me my T-shirt, they give me my number, I put my number on, I got some of those little tiny shorts that look disgusting on, got on my you know, shoes and everything, I'm grabbing gel bars and stuff to eat on the way, and I'm all ready. And they sound the gun, and I turn around and get in my car and go home. Go to the store and buy one of those 26.2 stickers and put it on the back of my car. And you're saying, yeah, but you didn't run the marathon. Yeah, but I got to the beginning. That's all that matters, right? It doesn't matter if you finish or not. I think sometimes we live our Christian life like that. We just hold on to the fact that something happened to us a long, long time ago. There was a time a long time ago where we something happened. It was real. I can remember it. I was emotional about it. But nothing's happened since. Because you're not growing toward Christ. You, you've looked at, you've looked at the, the life you've lived and you realize, I treated the beginning as if it was the finish line. One of the things that I love to do, love to do this, is have conversations with people who are followers of Jesus. And they can tell me 
ways that they have changed since they accepted Jesus. And I'm not, and big changes are great. You know, I think sometimes we get caught up that every, everybody's testimony has to be, man, I was selling crack and, you know, running a prostitution ring and all this stuff and I got saved and I'm not doing that. That's good. That's awesome. But I love to hear the stories too of regular people that said, I got saved and, you know, for even 10 years after I got saved, I struggled with bitterness. I hated my dad. And then I forgave him through the power of Jesus. Jesus helped me forgive my dad, and now I'm freer than I've ever been. Or somebody to say, you know, when I got saved, I was stingy. I didn't give anything away. I didn't give money to the church. I didn't give money to people. And now my wife, my husband, they're having to stop me from giving away everything we own because Jesus has changed my heart. I've grown in that area of my life, whatever it might be. I love to have those conversations with people where they've changed. And at the same time, nothing makes me sadder than knowing someone who calls themselves a Christian and I've known them 20 years, 25 years, and I can see that they're no different today than they were 25 years ago. 25 years ago, they had an anger problem and would get mad every once in a while and cuss somebody out and they just did the same thing last week. 25 years ago, they were spending all their money and wasting it and going into great debt and they're doing the exact same thing now. They just lost their third house. That should never be for followers of Christ. We should never remain the same because we are constantly should be growing toward Him. I said at the beginning that things that are alive grow. Whether it's a plant, person, animal, if it's alive, it's growing. If you're not growing in Christ, you've never grown in Christ, the first thing that you need to ask yourself is, am I really alive in Christ? Have I really accepted Jesus? I know something happened to you a long time ago. But if you're no different now than you were then, you might have just gotten emotional. You might have just gotten wet when you got baptized instead of really being transformed. So the first thing you need to ask yourself today if you call yourself a follower of Christ is, am I truly saved? Am I truly alive in Christ? And then if you are a follower of Christ, then you would say, yeah, I know I am. I know I'm a follower of Christ. I have been growing. Maybe it's not like I should, but I've been growing. I want to ask you a couple questions. Where in your life have you gotten comfortable? Where in your life have you gotten to where you know maybe it's not like it should be, but you've just kind of gotten comfortable with that? And you've just decided that's the kind of person I am and that's the way I'm going to be till I die. Where have you gotten comfortable? How long has it been since you heard God's voice? And how long has it been since you've seen God make a significant change in who you are? If you're a follower of Jesus, you should be able to tell me Cliff, here's something that I used to do all the time five years ago, and I'm no longer doing that. 
Here's an attitude I used to have three years ago, and I don't I longer have that attitude. Here's someone that I hated a year ago, and now I, I have forgiven them, and I love them in Christ now. There should be answers to that question that, you, that, you, that should come naturally to you if you're growing in Jesus. So this is what I want us to do. We're not going to have any music. I want you to come forward and pray if you would say, I've gotten too comfortable in an area and I need, I need to ask God to help me grow in that area. I want you to come forward and pray. Or if you would say, I haven't heard God's voice in a long time. Maybe I, I, I can't ever remember hearing God's voice. And I want to hear that. I want to know what God wants in my life. I want you to come down here to the front. Or if you would say, nothing's changed in me for years, months. Come down here and pray. Or if you would say, I need Jesus for the first time. I thought I had him, but I don't think I do. Or maybe I knew I didn't have him when I walked in here today. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to say a prayer. You can come down as I'm praying. You can come down after I'm done. And, and we're going to pray for a little while, and then you can go back where you are. And, let, and let, just let me tell you right off the bat, too. I know some of you, you're about to get really uncomfortable up in here. Because you're like, Cliff, you've got to have music. When there's an invitation, have you not ever been to church, Cliff? We do music with invitations. I want this, not the music, I love music, not the music's bad. I want this to be about you and Jesus. And if you're serious about growing in Christ, if you're really serious about it, I want you to demonstrate, to, not to me, but to him, how serious you are about it, because you would come down when there's blank silence and everybody's looking at you. We're not going to have our heads bowed either. We're going to be looking. Look, there he is. He's coming down the aisle. wonder what's the matter with him. By the way, if you think that, you don't come on down with him. Jump up and grab him by the hand and come on with him. Let me pray. Father God, I'm thankful for your word, and I'm thankful that it challenges me. God, I've, I've been guilty of going through long stretches of my life two long stretches of my life without hearing your voice, without growing in you. I never want to do that again. So Father, I pray that if there's anybody else in here today who's been like me, that they would make a commitment today to you to allow you to do what Philippians 1.6 says, to carry on the work in their life to completion. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.